Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, the best, single best health and fitness podcast there is on planet internet. <laughs> oh, I've got someone with me. My name is Matt, as always, oh, but I'm just one half of the greatest podcast on planet internet. <laughs> the other half is over there giggling in the corner at her idiot husband. Hello, Courtney. Hello. How are you going? Good, thanks. That was a very good intro. That was good. My greatest? Yeah, that okay, was good. I'll take that. So we're, <laughs> we're starting starting on a high with this episode. So it's only downhill from here. No. Definitely absolutely not. not. Definitely not. No, this is this is a special one. So the Success Leaves Clues official season one of the Weight Loss Podcast rolls on, getting towards the pointy end of things, you might say. Yeah, definitely. So we haven't got that long to go till the end of the season. However, we bring to you in this episode... Something of a rip snorter. Oh, really? As we say in Australia. In banger. Australia, a banger. A banger over in Australia. <laughs> we have an interview lined up for you with someone who is very special and meaningful to Courtney and I. Not just on a personal level, but has had a profound impact on our careers. Yes. So I just want to mention that the number of people in this line of work who I genuinely look up to, that number is smaller than the fingers on my left hand. Hmm. But this woman is one of those people. If I were to have a Mount Rushmore of people who have had an impact on my career, she's on it. That would be Mrs. Charlene Salt. Yes. Wonderful woman, wonderful teacher, educator, Mm. cook. Cook. Author. Yes. Published author. Yes. Seriously. Uh, and mentor and coach, not just to others, but most importantly, because it's our podcast, to us. Yes. So from my perspective, the impact that Charlene has had on my career cannot be understated. I've learned more more from her than I could possibly say. Mm. And the things I've learned from, from Charlene over the past also almost nine years now, has had a, a huge impact on my career, on me as a coach, and that has then been passed on to my own clients over the years as well. She's made me better at what I do. Yes. And you, for me. Yeah, and for me. So Charlene has definitely been great guidance in terms of our career, as you mentioned, Matt, but for me she's probably definitely had the biggest impact on my life just as a friend. Like a big sister. Yeah, she's... To you? Definitely. She's one of my closest friends. So the, her impact in my life from that point of view has been um, huge. Yeah, and it's worth saying, like I just want to give... I really mentioned this, that Charlene is without question the most in-shape female I've ever met in my life. Yes. But the thing is, she wasn't always that way. Uh, Charlene's story is so vital because, like the rest of us, she's gone through that that really rough cycle of dieting, 
Yes. Of being obsessed with the numbers, of being obsessed with training and training more and more and more and more. Yes. To the point where she screwed her metabolism up. Yes. So it's very easy to look at Charlene and go, oh, well, here's a woman now just on the wrong side of, let's just call it 5-0. Yes. It's just less damaging for her that way. But she now has the, the body and the health of someone literally 30 years younger. Yes. And this is why one of the reasons why I look up to this woman so much is because she doesn't look like this for an event. No. Or for a weekend and then goes back to looking like a potato. Charlene is lean, strong, vibrant and healthy 365 days of the year. Mm. And it's not through dieting. It's not through like battering her body at the gym. No. Or abusing herself. She is the walking definition of the term practice what you preach. And, and as a result, she's got the body that she wants. Exactly. That she's wanted and that she wants and that she likes. And, and she's proud of herself and she's confident. Yes. And the thing is as well, what, what really makes me want to follow a woman like this and learn from her is that it's not just she's got the body that she wants and how she's earned it, it's that she keeps it. Yes. She keeps, she looks like this, whether it's Christmas Day or the middle of June. Yes. She looks like this all year round. And to me, that is the very definition of a successful transformation. It's not that you get a great result and you then go backwards in six months. Yes. It's can you keep this long term through the rest of your life to benefit your life as you get older? Yes. And more than anyone I know, this woman answers that question, yes, it can be done. Mm. So it was a really, really a privilege for us to be able to interview Shah here in the studio. Yes, absolutely. A wonderful day. And I should also mention by far the longest podcast we've ever recorded, which is why we've broken it up into two parts. Yes, hence the title part one. <laughs> yes. So we yeah. we have split it up into two parts because it is quite long. And there's a lot to absorb because this yes. woman drops gold nuggets yes. left, right and centre. Yes. So to make sure that you could really, as you said, Matt, absorb everything that she's saying. We're going to take it in and reflect on it as we well. We did decide to split it up into two parts. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we did because I think that you will get more more effect from this interview. I do think as well this, this chat or this two-part chat we had with Charlene will require multiple listens. Yes. Because, like I said, the amount of gold nuggets that she drops, like top to bottom, you're not going to get it all the first time. No. No. And there's so her many... Wisdom, her wisdom when it comes to this topic, mm. the topic of health, uh, improving your, your body composition, improving yourself on the inside as well as the outside, like she is literally a font of knowledge. But she also has a very detailed history when oh, it yeah. comes to her... Her body and her health and fitness her personal, attitude. Her personal progress, you mean? Her personal story well, decades, is, isn't it? is very detailed and it's really important, I think, that you really listen to every stage of it because even if you necessarily can't relate to it like for like, you can relate to it in some uh, other way. There, there are, there are, and this is why she was such an easy person to, to ask to come on the show just because we know how far she's come from. And it really is for Shah 
like a 40 plus year journey. Yes. Like we're not talking like, oh, she got ripped in six weeks, mate, at your local shitty bloody gym challenge. Yeah. Like we're talking decades of work, of mistakes, of learning, learning mm-hmm. of applying, of growing. Like this, this is, like I said, this is what a transformation should be. And I, I think it's really important to go into this interview with that in mind. Yes. Because her and I, for instance, we have very different histories when it comes to our bodies, our health and fitness, what we've done. Well, you might say, though, two sides of the same coin. However, is what I was about to say. Thank you, Matt. Before I interrupt that, you, <laughs> That's okay. That her and um, Charlene and I have had a lot of discussions over the years about our individual journeys mm. and knowing, realising through those discussions how similar a lot of the things can end up being. So even though you might not listen to Charlene's story and think, oh, I was in that exactly the same situation, there will be a lot of similarities that you will be able to take When you think about it, it's the same thing with me. Like my starting point versus Charlene's couldn't be further apart, Mm. but the similarities from there, Mm. it is kind of freaky and I think how that parallels the, each other and I think there's a a lot of people that don't give that enough thought where whether you're coming from an overweight or an underweight background both are unhappy and both are unhealthy there's so many similarities yeah and it's not that way or this way it's 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 a total thing yeah I agree. so I agree I that's what I'm really really looking forward to you taking from this podcast and or this interview with Charlene, also just her enthusiasm and her oh, the spark. Passion, the passion. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to when you you start to hear her talk about food and and everything, it's which is, that is a passion of hers. Yeah. So yeah, obviously because she's she's written a cookbook. She's in the middle, not in the middle. She's almost finished writing her second cookbook. Yep. So. That passion and the enthusiasm and the confidence that she exudes is something that I personally look up to. Same, same. And I think that that is also something that I really hope you take from this interview. Well, that's a mic drop moment. So I think we're going to drop the mic and let's just roll into the interview. So really enjoy this, absorb this, take notes if you need to. There's a lot to get out of this and we'll see you on the other side. All right. We're here. Courtney's here. I'm here. Charlene. Shah is here. That's it. Shah's in the house. Welcome. <laughs> Pleasure having you on the show. It's very exciting. No, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same. We've been looking forward to this for quite a while, you might say, Courtney. Absolutely. She's been on our hit list for a little while now. Yeah, and in person and, and everything. And in person, oh, I'll yeah. I'll we've paid all stops. We pay the appearance fee. We've got her down here. Like we are um, in our clutches now. That's it. So it was an Aussie, though. Thank you for starters. Thank, like massive thank you. Um, it was a, a no-brainer mm. getting you on the show because of the how much you've meant to Courtney and I over the years, and then the influence you've had not just on us but on countless number of people that we work with uh, mm. and the industry that we work in. So it's like, yeah, complete no-brainer. But I want to I want to sort of kick things off, Shah, and get a discussion happening. Can you – you've had a bit of a background yourself and you've had a bit of a journey, mm-hmm. as, as we all have. Mm-hmm. And one of the toughest things I find with people in your position and even in our position with what we do for a living is people will look at where you are now and they'll assume that you've had it easy. And that, it's, been, it's been that smooth ride to the top, which is 
false. Mm-hmm. Can you just give us a bit of a background on like where have you come from and what were you struggling with when you were younger? Oh, please, far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, hi guys. Um, yeah, look, I. Um, how much time do we've got? <laughs> no, seriously, look, I, I'm just a typical chick, basically. So for all those female listeners out there, um, you're going to relate to pretty much everything that. Uh, that we're going to talk about, I suppose, or what I'll share with you. But basically, look, I, um, I'm a female now, mature female, approaching a... Uh, <laughs> 25? 25. Let's Join double you. that, but uh, we won't say the number. But look, I, I've been in the game now doing uh, this, oh, so I suppose, now for a good 35 years. Um, and in saying that, though, basically starting off, I suppose my first sort of intro to looking at my self-image and just uh, thinking about food started when I was around the age of about uh, 12 and 13 years of age. Now, when I say that, though, that was pretty much then governed by magazines, you know, and what I started to um, see in magazines. And like any young girl at that age, we're very, very influential. And the good old magazine that some of you may have remembered out there, the good old Dolly magazine. Was my, was my Bible, was my go-to. And, of course, you know, each week I would uh, save up my pocket money and try and buy that, or was it monthly? I can't remember now. And, of course, you'd, you know, you just, the diets would be there. Mm. How to lose three, five kilos, drop, you know, two dress sizes in five days. And I thought, wow, let's do that. <laughs> um, but just before I suppose I, I go into that, uh I was always very sporty and I come, you know, from uh, a family where I was exposed to sport at a very early age and it started with athletics and I've always been very competitive and always very active and my lovely young sister was actually introduced to dancing and so, and that's again a, a very important reason for what takes place over the next 35 years for me. Now, in saying that, with sport, you've got to actually be quite fit and active and you've got to be quite strong, don't you? Mm. But then in the dancing world, of which I was a part of, meaning that I was a passive um, participant because I used to, at that age and stage, go and uh, just wait as my sister attended her dance classes. But again, in the dancing forum, they're, um, the girls are, are placed on diets at very, very early ages. Mm. And I'm, I'm talking like as young as eight and nine. And pretty much I remember that my sister, who has never been a big girl in any shape or form, um, she was pulled aside. My parents were pulled aside, actually. And at the age of nine, um, the director of the, the school told, listen, we've got to get Simone down a little bit with weight. So with that then, this is pretty much where it started. And so Dad, and like all parents, want to try and you know, do what they can to, to give the best to their kids. Yeah. And so they did what they thought was right and started her on a bit of a training program where they tried to make her lose weight, um, put her on diets, in order at nine years of age to, to make sure that she got this role. Now, of course, from a bystander mm. and being 12 years of age, I'm like, but she's only a kid. Mm. But then I started to watch that and I thought, well, look, if she's got to lose weight, well, maybe i better start this. And, of course... The foundations were set in place and wow. yeah and this is how these early impressions and sometimes we call them uh those special moments the sparks mm. that or triggers i should say that's the key word these are the triggers and that start off as i said 
lifelong uh, bad habits. But they started when chasing. you were a, a very young, influential, easily influenced age, Absolutely. and your sister even younger again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's um, coming from adults too. It is even more influential at that age because you then you don't have any perception of anything. You know, you just do what you believe is correct, and correct, you know, yeah. the adults are saying that this is what we do, so this is what we do. And look, and also too, and, and look, and I hate saying time all the time, but. You know, 30-odd years ago, or 40, 40, yeah, 35 years ago, wow. 30, 37 years ago, um, you know, back then there wasn't, again, you haven't got your social media, uh, you mm. haven't got a lot of the uh, the media in terms of your, your television influence back then, and so these magazines, and then when people were saying, all right, we've got to get them down, you just did that, and so you turned to whatever you could find that said, lose five kilograms, lose three kilograms, you know, uh, put the sweat gear on. And that was back in the time of the Jane Fonders where we all wanted to wear the sweat stuff because, you know, doing the, the classes or, you know, trying to get the weight down through the sweat, uh, the sweating uh, concept was the way to do it. And, and look, and this is it. And, uh, and not only that, but then you start to also then chase diets and because you sort of think, oh, if that works, yeah. Then what's another diet that I can do yeah. that's going to throw off more weight? And of so course, like hopping from one to another. Absolutely, yeah, and look, okay. and this is where you know, getting back to what you were saying before, my trigger was you know seeing uh, my sister having to undergo sort of like a, a transformation at such a young age of losing weight when she was clearly a child at nine years of age. But then as I started to get into my um, you know high school, you know high school is one of those very influential times in our lives um, where body image, trying to be popular. Trying to fit in. Trying to fit in. Yeah. Look, you name it, you know, becomes your number one focus, you know. You sh- it should be your grades and trying to achieve, but no, you just want to be popular, liked and find a boyfriend, you know. I did do my grades, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, then you start to look, um, you know, and, 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 and fashion, you know, was very sort of, you know, the in thing. And it just, look, there's so much at that uh, 15 years of age, you know, that becomes so influential. And you just chase whatever you can. And, again, that magazine was uh, was my go-to. And um, and each week or each month, you know, it would come out with tips and, and fashion tips and yeah. diet tips. And, and this is what happened. At the age of 15, you know, I started really uh, for the next, I reckon, probably 12 years just yo-yo dieting, so trying you, to lose weight. So it would be like you go from – each monthly issue of the magazine, trying out what they recommend? Absolutely, yeah. Huh. Okay. And look, and, and in saying that, I suppose I need to sort of paint a, um, a picture, a clearer picture. I was, I've probably never really been like an overweight person in, in the true sense of being um, extremely obese. Yeah. However, you know, I, I wasn't happy with the person that I saw in the mirror. Now, mm. again, what we want to see... And what we see, we can never match that up in our minds because we're never going to be happy with what we see. But what I did go by, and this was a very influential factor of, of my, my early and late teens, were the weights of scales, yeah, okay. weighing myself. How often? Uh, probably every day. Wow, okay. <laughs> every morning. Yeah. And look, listeners, I know that you'll probably, well, I don't know, be shocked or, or relate to this, but my life um, at the age of 15 became governed by standing on those scales every time that I woke up in the morning, 
because I fixated on a weight that I wanted to be, mm. not what was appropriate for my age and size and, you know, my, my body shape, but because I was going by my magazines that, you know, someone my age should be at this particular weight, mm. then, you know, let's just say, for example, eight kilograms, you know, eight kilograms, yeah, I'm talking real thin, no, sorry, eight stone. Eight stone, yeah. Tell you what, I was focusing. Tell you what, I started young. But no, like, say, say around that eight stone, now yeah. off the top of my head, I can't think... For the those listeners conversion. overseas, for yeah. the conversion, but eight, about six kilos per stone, six and a half, yeah, something yeah, about six and a half. Yeah. So I'll let you guys do the math. So it was around about 48, 49 yep. uh, kilos. All yep. right, then is just under eight, uh, eight stone. Um, and so I would actually wake up and I would weigh myself first thing in the morning after I've been to the toilet because that way I got rid of any extra fluid that I might be holding. <laughs> and if I was eight kilograms, uh, sorry, eight stone on on that little black mark, it set the tone, not only for my day in terms of my mood, I was happy, but then it just meant then I could eat very minimal so that I know that tomorrow I would wake up and still be on that eight, kilo, um, eight stone mark. Hmm. However, let's just fast forward the track on those days that I woke up and I was ready for it. I was two black strokes over and I was two pound over that eight. Oh, my God, you'd have no idea. Mentally, I would not eat that day or I'd just eat um, an apple because wow. I needed something to eat mm. and I would try and do some sort of form of exercise so that I know that tomorrow morning when I woke up, I would be back down on that eight stone mark again. And look, and this is horrible, but that was my way of staying in control. Mm. And then that's when I turned to the magazines and started looking more at diets of going, okay, how can I drop more? So that then I started to chase that eight stone mark and I thought if I can get a little bit under that, then it gave me a bit more leeway to try and eat a little bit. So I knew that, look, and you can start to see the pattern that was formed in, in, in um, place there. And, mm. uh, and again, it's a vicious circle. But then I took that right through pretty much then into my 20s. Um, you know, those scales just became... Uh, pretty much my life source every morning but then that's when aerobics and you know I become a little bit more independent I could go to do classes and I thought all right then this was my introduction into sport uh, sorry into physical activity like at that time I was still playing sport on the side you know I was still very active uh, netballer I was into softball I still did my athletics um, hockey um, but then I started to sort of try and think, well, look, if I can keep my food intake down but then start to actually push myself a little bit harder when I went to the gym, hey, I'm going to really nail nail my weight problem. And, governed by the numbers. And I was governed by the numbers mm. and then also that turned to uh, more time being spent. You know, if I did two two classes... More is better. More is better and mm. I'm actually going to uh, lose this weight or keep it off and... Um, and be the, the, the epitome of what a healthy person's supposed to be when, uh, again, um, later into my later years, uh, which I'll go into in a moment, mm. uh, I found out that that uh, doesn't set you up as being a healthy person. No, it does not. I, I do like the point you brought up, Shah, where you said that you weren't, um, you weren't heavily overweight or obese, but you weren't happy. And that's worth mm. mentioning that you can't, you can't look at someone and assume they're happy with who they are. That's yeah. You're, you're so right in terms of what they see in the mirror versus what you think you see can be two very different things. And remember, females. Sorry, <laughs> we're we're tricky ones to read. And no matter I, how mm. many times that we get external mm. input, um, yeah. Uh, or yeah, yeah, external input being told to us, you're fine, you're healthy, don't be silly, and you're not overweight, you don't need to lose weight. It just Once doesn't. You set, you set. 
Well, not only that, but you have these little voices, you yeah, know. You have what I like to say, the, the good voice and the bad voice that sits in there because the good voice knows that, yeah, look, I know I, I'm not really overweight, but the bad voice always just keeps up, uh, or the little devil, I should say, mm. keeps coming back going, no, you're not happy with yourself, you're going to lose more weight. And, of course, these little voices just, you know, take over uh, in your head and no matter how... What source of you know person that you you know um, go to you know be it a personal trainer be it your parents be it your boyfriend or yep. friends if you're not happy with yourself no one's going to make you happy. Yep, that is that is a fact. The scales will make me happy, yeah. and that's what I did. And I turned to yeah. those scales, and my scales were were my best friend. You know, they were the ones that made me feel good or made or me feel bad, yeah. and that was it. Yeah. So where was rock bottom for you? Wow. Rock, yeah, that's okay. Rock bottom, actually. All right, we're going to fast track a little bit now. Rock bottom for me started when I was I got into the about my twenty fifth, twenty sixth year. Mm. Um, I just oh, I'm just trying to think. Now was it twenties? No, sorry, no. I'm <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. So when I was about twenty one, twenty two, uh, I actually uh, sustained an injury, uh, quite a you know a serious injury where I, I tore my cruciate ligament playing netball. Now at that time I was uh, I was sort of dating a, a sports person, um, and you know my biggest fear was then oh my god I can't do sport I'm going to get really big fat yeah. I'm going to eat. now of course at that time I didn't understand because I've never been a, a, a person that's how can I say it uh, turned to to junk food or you know looking at food as my way of comfort or anything like that mm. because. I, I'd feed food, and, and I said that before, you know, like food wasn't important to me because f- food to me was just like if, if you ate, you're going to put on weight. So, so at the this stage, yeah, it was the enemy. Yeah. So, but exercise was my way of controlling it uh, as best as I could. And of course, look, and I, d- I didn't sort of um, touch on it before. When I was talking about diets, you know, I would look at fruit, um, and I still at that stage started to eat just, you know, a few little eggs and salad was basically it, yeah, yeah okay. you know but I had no understanding of of food or nutrition at that mm. stage but I just looked at again what I was influenced by the magazines that these were the foods that a lot of these diets sort of you know concentrated on and therefore that's all I sort of focused on eating and um yeah and that's pretty much you know where I went with the food but getting back to you know or fast tracking to when I did my knee um that's when I actually thought I've got to get into the gym because I've got to do some rehabilitation. I've got to build up the my strength again and, and, and try and be fit. But at the same time, I've, I, I, I was paranoid about putting on weight because, again, in my mind, exercise meant keeping your weight down. What exercise were you doing leading up to this? Did I, you play netball? What were you doing in the gym? Well, it was just classes. Like, you know, uh, it was ro- just it was classes. just aerobic yeah. classes, yeah. And like what started out as doing like two or three sessions a week, you know, I was doing two classes a day, five days a week because more was best, you know, yeah, and that yeah. was it. Plus yeah. it was my time, you know, and you know, you're being seen and doing all that and it was a social thing. You know, you got to wear all the gear and look fantastic. But um, you know, uh, I wasn't one of those that was wearing like what, what the old Jane Fonda did, you know, the old little high cut. Uh, mm. No. Leotards, no, because I didn't like my body still, but I You're still away, covered really. up yeah, because yeah. I wanted to. Keep, again, I could just never be happy with what I saw. Mm. So, with that, then, and um, I thought, okay, then I heard this thing about, um, you know, like with personal trainers or, you know, getting someone that could train train you and and at that time there was another show and again social media or media at that time 
is very what was very influential and to this day is still very influential and there was a show that i used to love with the family we used to watch it because my dad was into the sports the wide world of sports and it used to be on the saturday early morning or sunday early morning it was yeah, yeah. Sunday, sunday, yeah. yeah. and yeah. the guys would sit there you know would review the, the sports you know all around the world or at that time you know the cricket or the football or whatever it was and then they'd start looking at some of the espn or, or was espn back then no i don't know what it was but bodybuilding came up on one of their shows mm. and um and at that time it was talking about the the olympia and of course you know your arnie's and and all those guys the ronnie coleman's but then they started to feature back then the females and there was one particular lady um that some of you will know and remember but the corey everson who had won the the miss olympia i remember seeing this girl and i still to this day remember watching her going wow a female with muscle but she she wasn't big she wasn't masculine uh, and that's probably debatable. Some, pe- some people probably still see that as all, well, you know, but who wants that muscle? But I just looked and I thought, that's so sporty. Mm. And I thought, it's very athletic. That's yeah. what I want. And look, you know, I must admit, before we've gone on the whole, you know, history of bodybuilding and how it's changed over the time, back then a lot of the women that sort of got into that, that's exactly what it was, you know. It was women that did start to lift weights. Mm. Um, they were eating foods and, you know, look, whatever – means that they did back then but i don't want to get into that sort of time because that's not where i'm i'm about but they were athletic they were feminine and they started to have a a role in showing their bodies to say look i can have muscle and be athletic mm-hmm. and rachel mcleish was another one that you know and then then the carla dunlops that, that, that came later on in life and i thought wow mm-hmm. this is really cool yeah. So this is where I was saying, you know, I'd done my knee and I knew that a personal trainer, I thought, well, I need to find someone then that can give me that look. Yeah. And again, this is how all, it just all rolled into from 15 to where I am now at 23, 24 years of age. And I thought, all right, then I looked up basically someone that was a bodybuilder yep. that won a world title. So I thought he might know something. Mm. <laughs> and again, I had no idea of what to look for. Of I went for a title. I made an appointment. I remember walking up the steps of the um, of the gym, and looking at all these pictures in the in the corridor of all these bodybuilders and just muscle. And I'm like, going, cool. This is hot, <laughs> you know. I'm like, wow. And I thought, I want this. And um, and pretty much, I met the trainer at the time, Sam. And uh, and look, and I started there. And I had I didn't know what I'd walked into. And what started out is a three-day-a-week training regime and a diet was presented to me. Like a meal plan? A meal plan was presented to me. He said, right, and believe it or not, again, after 10 years of knowing of my eating um, habits and Mm. how poor they were and how I was governed by those scales, I remember Sam saying, all right then, Shay, you know, in order to develop muscle, we've got to eat. Yeah. And in my mind, I was listening to him, but... I was also, as I said, that good and that bad voice. The good side was going, yes, I've got to eat because I want muscle. But the bad side's going, no, you can't eat. You're going to put on weight. Yeah. And, of course, a meal plan, uh, like diet, and to his credit, he had me eating eight meals a day. Oof. But they were small and it was yeah. grazing. And I just looked and I'd already, I remember going home that night and I looked and I thought, there is no way known I'm going to eat this. There's just no way known. But you were eating like one or two at the time, weren't you? And so what I, yeah, I only used to eat one or two meals. Yeah. So I thought, I can't eat eight. Because remember, the fear of putting on weight in my mind was attributed to eating a lot of food. And also there you've got uh, decades of belief that's been installed in you. Absolutely. Years and years and years and years. And that's been challenged straight away. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's and where not, the voice comes back. Absolutely. And not to mention, you know, like with every – and see, look, when you're younger, you probably can get away with a little bit, all right? Now, when I say that, um, guys or listeners, that – you don't worry about the future. You don't worry about what's going to happen. And again, as we continue chatting, you know, we'll get into that. Mm. But for those 10, 11 years up until this point, um, I was all right. You know, I was, I thought I was managing my weight because of, you know, doing it more exercise and living on two small meals a day or pretending I was eating. But then when this was presented to me, the eight meals a day, even though they were small meals, and like when I say that, they were just, you know, like eating some protein, starting to eat some carbohydrates. Yeah. And yes, there were veggies and salads and chicken and veggies and some eggs, like everything. That it's all good stuff. It was all great stuff. But in my mind, I thought, this is a lot no of food and I can't. Too much. So consequently, uh, for three months... As we started a 12-week program together, I turned it in from three days a week to 12, uh, 12 days a week, five sessions a week I was training, plus cardio. And I, I was a good little bunny. I picked out three meals on that, <laughs> on that plan to eat because I thought I need breakfast, lunch and dinner because I'm now training a little bit more and I better – and I lied. I basically – each week when you said, hey, how's it going? I said, I was lying. Oh, no, I'm going really well with the meals. And um, and look, you know, look, maybe I've got a little bit of genetic, you know, favoritism. Thanks, mum and dad. I I sort of held muscle mm. all right then. So I thought, great, I can, I can still eat three meals. meals. Yeah, <laughs> three meals. And again, look, and this is not going to work for everyone. But again, I was looking in the mirror, and I could start to see a few little changes. Mm. And I thought, great, I'm still getting away with only eating three, three meals or whatever it was. But again, you know, when I say three meals, I'll probably just, uh, you know, int- introducing some baked beans because all protein. I thought, oh, I like baked beans. So, you know, mm. that was, you know, how I was getting more food into me. But then I started to see some shape and I saw all of a sudden, and again, with what I was saying in my mind, I started to see the foundations of what I saw when I saw Corey Everson. I thought, oh my God. I've got a little bit of muscle happening here and oh there's a waste. And and look, and it took a lot of guts for me to put a bikini on at that particular time to just stare at myself in there because I didn't like what I saw. Yeah. But when I started to see those changes, I started to think, wow, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. But again, I still couldn't get the understanding of knowing that food was the most important thing mm. to achieve what I was after because I attributed that I've got to lift heavier Exercise. and train more. Yeah. And look, this is pretty much then where the next stage, I suppose, takes off with where I got into the competition side of um, of bodybuilding. Mm. <laughs> oh, did you actually like? Did you win anything? Or have you done anything in that field? Like, like I'm not sure. Wow. I've never heard of you. Well, you but like, I'm not here to that? sort of like say, but look, again, back in those days, I, I started training with Sam um, at Better Body Fitness. Like, It's no longer around, unfortunately, but Sam's still trying to train. Where was this, by the way? This was in Northcote. I was living Where's in Northcote. Northcote, Northcote uh, in Melbourne, yep. Victoria there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and look, it was just close. And I used to get up in the morning and train and then go off to work and then come back and, you know, do my sessions and things like that still. So, again, what, what was training five days a week turned into two twice a day. Um, but you were also working at the time, yeah? And then, yeah, look, I was also I was a school teacher too, a primary school teacher, so I was teaching and... Uh, That's a big day. There's a lot of commitment there, though. Like, there's work ethic there. Look, there's work ethic, but too, when you're young, and I'm saying that, mm. it's amazing how you just do it. Yeah. yeah, you know, you can burn the candle at both ends, 
because you, you've got the energy, you know. For some mm. reason, your body can just... Adjust. And then, of course, then there came times when, you you know, you like to party and go out, but oh, I didn't drink or I didn't eat because, you know, that's more, you don't do that. Mm. But look, you know, and I was, you know, I still had a little bit of a life, but then I, once I started to look at competition, the seed had been planted one yeah. day, where Sam said, listen, Shay, he said, look, you've got great potential. You know, have you ever thought about doing a comp? And I'm like, oh, don't be silly. Mm. You know, you've... And again, and here I go. You've got to, you've got to be big to, you know, to do that. And I, I was scared of getting big, even though I wanted muscle. That I, would be a negative word. Big, it was, it, it was just so hard. Like it messed your head. It did a lot of messing. And you have my to stand head. up there wearing next to nothing, which was my biggest fear yeah. because that meant then people got to see me, and I didn't even like seeing myself. So I thought, yeah. okay, this is this is going to be something. But I thought, okay, if, and this is where competition didn't become my goal to win anything back in the early stages, it became my tool where I thought if I train, eat the minimal food, but train to get the muscle and lose the weight to get the shape that I wanted, I thought on that day I've achieved the look that I've always been after. Ah, the finish line. The finish line. Mm. And, of course, this is where I then started training for a bodybuilding comp um, about 18 months into my uh, initial introduction to, uh, you know, weight training or resistance yeah. training. And at that time, I actually then moved and I was training at another gym with another trainer who was also, a, you know, world title holder. And, yeah, and his name also was a, a Sam. And so, you know, like with Sam, he said, all right, then now we're, we're setting a goal of 12 weeks for your first comp. And uh, and here you go. Here's your diet. And again, I was presented with a diet. Now back then, something now that's become a bit of a fear or became a fear was carbohydrates. Oh, that horrible work where I had to eat rice, potato, and sweet potato. But back then, I thought I knew that in order to achieve what I wanted, I thought I've got to follow these people because um, that's how you get big I suppose or yeah. develop the muscle and that's what's going to get me the shape and again I didn't have the knowledge or the I didn't want to ask questions I just had to do what I, I was told and then behind the scenes make a few tweaks to suit what I thought do your version of it do my version of yeah. it that's yeah. it but then again and this is this is where it all started so you know I was training the house down yeah I started to see the shapes but then I started to get frustrated because I Again, I wasn't happy with what I was seeing. Even though I was building some muscle, I still didn't have the abs. I didn't look lean. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm, mm. I'm eating hardly nothing. Why isn't my body changing? And anyway, my way, why isn't it working? That's it, yeah. Mm. And so for, look, for the first comp I got up there, and, and look, and it's something that I've shared over the years when, you know, I've been speaking with people and done presentations, and I've put up one of my first photos of Remember my first one. comp. Yes. And uh, to this day, I still get highly embarrassed and go, what was I thinking? But I should never have seen a foot on stage. But it's good to reflect on that. It's good to reflect on because, again, the food that I was eating back then, um, I didn't understand how your body adapts to food. And then when mm. you've gone and stuffed your metabol- uh, metabolism up for X amount of years like I did, and this is going in 13 years now where yeah. I was doing bad um, eating habits. Diet hopping. Diet hopping and just, you know, introducing foods like carbohydrates. My body didn't know what was going on. So rather than what carbohydrates should do, which was giving me fuel, I was actually holding on. And yeah. this is where I became very fluidy. My body wasn't responding. It didn't know how to 
burn up that energy. So therefore, you know, though a lot of those first few uh, years of competition, I just looked at my body type and I thought, I just wasn't lean, you know. You were paying was, the price. I was for paying the price, yeah. The past years, and a lot of people don't look at it that way. No. They're so caught in the moment. Yeah. Not thinking of like, how could this, what effects could this have mm. five, ten years down the track mm. and you were then paying the price by the sound mm. of it. And again, this is where then um, another whole whole downward spiral sort of took off again. So, you know, not only was I still governing my weight by scales, but then I started to look at um, these competitions mm. of trying to work harder during a 12-week or 14, 16-week sort of training phase for a competition. And then I started to introduce more competitions into my yearly uh, time frame yeah. because I thought if I can work towards that one day of getting my body closer to the way I want it to look, mm. then I've I've reached the top of the mountain no. and, and I've, I've achieved what I've always set out for. Mm. At, you know, at this stage now, I was getting on to about 20, 27 years of age and I still hated my body, wasn't happy with my body and still desperate to try and get the look that I wanted. Were you, were you sort of using the scale still? Back then? Look, the scales um, became uh, still a very important part, but then they started to dictate the weight that I needed to be to reach the competition class yep. that I was competing in. Yep. So, for example, if I was uh, back then, I was I was competing in what was called physique bodybuilding. Yep. All right, then that was trying to show. Now that again, I was with the natural federations, um, and so for my height and size. I needed to be in the 57 kilograms and under category. Yep. So, of course, 57 then became my marker. That was And it. I could not go over That's that. And I yep. wanted to stay. So, again, even though I'd sort of transcended from governing my uh, weight at that time when I was younger by those one or two little black marks, mm. then the fixed number became my my target. And yeah. every day when I was going into my trainer, um, basically he would look and adjust and do pinch tests to see what, and we were just working. So uh, working to meet that weight. But then that's when cardio uh, was introduced yep. as a means to weight train in the morning and then finding two hours later that night after a full day of teaching and at that time I think I was either with preps or grade six so my, my days were full and meetings mm. but then I'd still have to find two hours then to do cardio which was at that stage either walking on the treadmill in the gym yeah. or walking outdoors late at night big day look my days were yeah and in and in that time frame um again competitions were my number one goal mm. um uh I was very fortunate too that at an early age when I did start competing, I did get a taste of victory, which was then something I became hungry for. And I thought, oh, this is good fun. You know, if I train harder next time, Success I'll win again. Yes. Yes. And look, and that's a good thing because it did bring out that sport that I mm. had when I was young. I was very competitive and I thought, well, look, if I'm going to put the time and effort in, I'm not just doing this just to get up on stage. I was doing it to become number one. Play to win. And so therefore it became then an addictive form mm of training harder, yeah. pushing myself more. Uh, food, again, started to take on a new realm from the point that I started to understand that protein was really important because that's what helped build muscle. And I yeah. thought, okay, I need to eat more protein, kept my carbs down, and, um, and fats didn't exist. <laughs> so basically you can start to work out what I was eating. You know, It was basically tuna and chicken yep. and eggs, and that was it. Um, but... It kept me lean. Bit of broccoli. Oh, it got me lean. Oh, a little bit of broccoli. Sorry, yeah. that was about a cup of broccoli back then, and oh, that was it. Maybe an apple. 
No, apples, no. That oh, was, no, that, fruit. That, that was Sorry. sugar. Sugar. Oh, I couldn't have that. Kind of fruit, no. But then this was another phase that I got to, and I was 28, 29 at this stage, and again, I went with another trainer, uh, just through circumstances, but also a trainer approached me and said, look, you know, I've been watching you. Um, I can give you what you're after. Ooh. Oh, magic oh, words. Oh. And you know when you just sort of raise those eyebrows and then, Again, I and it's not being disrespectful for any of those trainers that got me to where I got to, but you become desperate and you're like, what? You can get me. Because I saw some of the girls that he was bringing in and I liked what I saw and yeah. I wanted that. So I was ready to take that next uh, leap of faith for want a better way of describing it and thought, I want what you can give me. But also when you're, when you're desperate, rational thinking... Oh, look, there was no rational thinking whatsoever. (laughs) There's a lot of emotion involved, obviously, and you can't can't separate emotion from objectivity when it's you you're talking about. Yeah, I became obsessed with seeing these girls. Mm. And and look, again, please understand out there, listeners, that it's not everyone's taste, but I was going through such uh, an addiction to, to training that to see veins and sinew in muscle, that's what I wanted. Well, that was your finish line, wasn't that it? That was, was my finish line. That was it. And everyone has their own finish line. And to lines. win. Yeah. And to keep winning. Yep. And look, and at this stage, I was 28, 29, and I'd set myself on a couple of titles. And at that stage, I won the Victorian title. I was winning the Australasian title. I then went on, went on to win the Australian title. That then qualified me then to compete overseas in the Olympia world titles. Awesome. Of then... I won the Olympia oh. in America. <laughs> so you did achieve um, something. I did it. And you know what? And but, but, All right, then in saying that though, now I've jumped about, you know, two and a half, three years there, you know, with winning all these titles. But basically what started to happen, listeners, was that I started to, to get the body in that shape and I'm, I, I wanted to keep that on that day. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and diet harder now. I'm going to train it. hard to hold this. Yeah. Now, when I say this, guys... When I say that my weight got down to what I wanted, I was walking on stage at get get a hold of this at eight stones. I was forty nine kilos, forty forty eight point three it was um, kilos. When I set foot on the world stage in America, um, I was lean as look. I had muscle, and like in a lot of the photos, you know, you you'd think that I was the top of being good. the healthiest person. We're good, yeah, and. I was I was so happy. I remember weighing myself the day that I was getting ready to compete overseas in, in America mm. and I was under that eight stone. You've never seen someone dance around. <laughs> and to this day, I've still got the photo. I took a photo of myself standing on the scales and to capture that moment and just go, this, this is my happy moment. And I, I bottled that up and I thought, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. I'm going to stay this weight. <laughs> forever and a day. Now, how many years did it take to get to that stage, though? Because that, that's, uh, yeah. that's your victory dance by the sounds of it. I was 30 years of age and I got the body of my dreams. We started at what, 12? 12. Did this story at 12. start at 12? So it's 18 years to get to the finish line. Yep, and I and I, I got it. And you know what? The morning that I woke up and I was, you know, Miss, Miss Olympia or Miss Natural Olympia, figure title holder, um, I, it, it was just like... The world's the limit now. I thought this is it. Oh, the sky's the limit. I've I've achieved everything I've wanted. You've done it. And you know, and my and the best thing was buying clothes. Yeah. Because you know, you go in, especially in America. You know, rather than a size four, I was getting size zero, and it's like, rock have it. a look at this. I can rock this. And I thought, and then this was again this, and the reason why I brought the clothes in because that then became my means of 
measuring myself to stay in control. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But four weeks after the event, and this is something that I hadn't experienced, my weight that, as I said before, was 48.3 kilos on the day that I won the title. Yep. Four weeks later, I was up to 67 kilos. That's a slight difference. And it wasn't through food because mm. I was still dieting. I was still eating the way I was leading up to the comp. But something had happened to my body. And look, I don't probably want, don't want to elaborate too much, but I also went through something called water depletion. Yep. Of which is basically, listeners, it's um, it's a process of dehydration. Dehydration, which is basically trying to drain as much fluid out of your body to get that definition to meet goal weight on the Mm. day. And uh, being quite naive and just being so focused on my image and my weight, I had no understanding of the consequences of what happens after when the body relaxes and you probably lessen your your focus on your training because you've met the goal and now you think all right then my, my building phase is going back i'm going to go in and try and train harder yep. and of course you, you know you're drinking water and look and you're eating the food but then what tends to happen to the body and it's a smart cookie and this is where you know another whole era starts off with uh, with this experience your body doesn't uh, like change mm. all right then doesn't like when you do this sudden water depletion. So what tends to happen, it goes into a survival mode. Then it goes, you know what? I don't like being dehydrated. So I'm going to hold every little bit of water and food that you're going to put back into your system now over this next four weeks. And of course, look, I suppose I use the analogy of a dry um, sponge. When Mm. When you're doing the dishes and you... You wring that good old sponge out and you let it sit there. It's a dry day or a hot day. That sponge dries out, but you put it back in water and it... Brings it in. Brings it in. Yeah. And basically, that's what my body was. My body was one great big five foot seven sponge. You'd be feeling it day after day, wouldn't you? And sort of stack on. And not only that, but then, of course, the psychological um, uh, beating and effect um, really stuck in because. To have that euphoric feeling of being on top of the world and Mm. loving yourself sick, you know, and I mean that, or just having the control, knowing that I worked to get that body and then four weeks, Mm. you know, losing it, I felt like, what have I done to myself, you idiot? I hated myself, loathed myself, covered back up. And of course, what happens? You want to try and diet more, which meant more calorie restriction again and already I've shared with you that I was hardly eating next to nothing Yeah. and not only was I doing training in the morning at 4 o'clock in the morning you know doing a 2 hour session before going off to teaching and then 2 hours of cardio I was actually getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning doing an hour of uh, walking uh, hitting the gym at 4 going to the uh, going to work then coming back doing another session at gym at 5.30 6 o'clock at night then going for another 2 hour and then finish my day at 11 o'clock and guess what I started doing that seven days a week leading up to the next comp. Yeah. Uh, and sleep patterns, yeah. eh? What sleep patterns? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sleep wasn't important because sleep meant, uh, to me, meant that uh, it was missing out a, an opportunity to, to train. To train. Yeah. So it's so, definitely the, uh, the over-exercising mentality. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think that was always, I guess, where your mind fixated on. Because it wasn't about the food, it was always about the exercise. Training and more training. Yeah, yeah, because like food was my fear, you know, Mm. like food was my enemy and, you you know, you guys just uh, reiterated that and it was just like, and again, I was just a typical female that I just 
you know, going by with everything, I thought, you've got to train to stay in shape. You've got yeah. to train to lose weight. And that was that was more important to me than food. Yeah. And so, um, and then I just didn't understand the science. I didn't understand why my body just blew out. It just meant I, I've slackened off on my training, which I hadn't, but it's just that I didn't understand how the body yep. uh, reacts after mm-hmm. such a de- restrictive, depletive, um, I think that's a term, sorry, uh, de- 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 depletive. It'll be that. We've, we've uh, made up yeah. words here before, so. <laughs> all the time. Depletive state that yeah, I was no in. So, yeah, and um, and of course this this is something then, you know, and then again I was at 30 years of age and, and again, understanding about the body, mm. I didn't realise that when you turn 30, you know, you go through a change um, in your body because, you know, your body's preparing itself then at what I, you know, I hate to say it, but um, well, I shouldn't say I hate to say it, but, you you know, your body's going to the next phase. Yeah, like, not a pre-menopause, but I had a few more years up my sleeve before that happened. But it does but getting happen ready, then. Yeah, but it's getting ready to, mm. you know, produce, right, mm. for want of a better way, you know. Like yep. I know it starts when you're in 20s, but, you know, like at that stage, you know, the body was just undergoing, you know, hormonal uh, changes mm. and uh, systems change. And I suppose that's another thing too. And, look, you know, I suppose I'm just getting personal, you know, and some listeners out there are probably thinking, oh, look, Sean, with all this... Uh, restrictive diet, you know, how did that affect your your monthly sort of, you know, I don't cycle. talk about my period all the time. Yep, or menstrual time. <laughs> the periods, all right. I'll say that word, the period. And you know what? And and this is probably something again, you don't worry about your you don't worry about your health because again, I was just so governed. And then, look, there was uh, stages there where I didn't have a like a period for six to twelve months oh. because I got my body fat so down, uh, so low. And look, and I must say too, like when I competed in that Olympia. My body fat um, uh, percentage, because I had it, you know, with pinch tests and all that, was uh, around the three percent. So I was, Ultra I low. was lean. And I must admit, like on the day of the comp, you know, I, you could actually see the veins, you know, stand up. I could stand my skin, pinch my skin, and it would just remain standing because I was that dry. You loving that? And I, I love that, you know. Mm. And um, yeah. So anyway, so yes, yeah, so. When, when your body was completely dry, everything was just shutting down there. and mm. But I didn't care. I thought, great, you know, because if I didn't have my period, I wasn't bloated, I'm not holding water. And, you know, oh, I just thought this is this is the way to achieve. Well, you're just look. chasing the, the, the look and the number and, that was and everything it. else wasn't a factor. And look, and sometimes too, and look, in any elite sport, you know, look, some people will debate, um, it's debatable as to whether or not bodybuilding or physique or figure is, is an elite sport. But put it this way, if you set your sights on trying to be number one, in any sort of field of that competitive nature, mm. um, you will do whatever it takes to get there. Yep. All right then. Uh, some people make the smarter choices. Some people turn to the the fast route choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll leave that to you to open to the interpretation. Yeah. Yes. But you, you know where I'm going through. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, and in my case, when I look back now, uh, where I'm at now, nearly 50 years of age, then yeah, I do think that um, worrying about the future of my health. Don't be, I was only 30 years of age. You know, that present, was, yeah. yeah, I'm still young. And mm. it was all about what I wanted at that time and I achieved it. And, yeah, that's when the next phase starts off. So what happened? Like, so you, you stack on, what was it? Steady. <laughs> 16, 18 kilos? It was about 16, yeah, was it 48 down, uh, for, say 49 up to 67, yeah. Yeah, that's almost, almost 20 kilo jump in a month, oh, yeah, which would oh. be panic stations. Yep. What happened? What, what's the next step from there? Well, I think you went into you tried to raise your exercise, yeah, because you thought yeah. that was the issue. Yeah. Where'd that go? Um, burnout. <laughs> yeah. Really? You hit the yeah. wall. Yeah. yeah. You mean I... getting up at three a.m. and working all day and working out didn't really work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Look, it was. 
I was introduced to saunas. <laughs> oh, great. Saunas, because, you know, saunas can actually sweat out Sweat it water. out, yeah. Mm. And again, look, you just do these stupid things and, of course, teaching and, and just covering up and, and, and then, you know, you, you just play the mind games of going, okay, then, look, I'm, I'm in the bodybuilding, you know, I'm, I'm bulking now, it's okay, it's all right to put on weight. So I, I started to convince myself that this is called bulking phase. Um, <laughs> still didn't work because I hated what I saw. Um, and yeah, and then look, you know, just look, just kept just playing around with diets again, you know, and like if I was eating two, say 500 grams of tuna a day, you know, I'd cut that back to 250 grams and just break it up into two smaller meals. So you know? back to back to the old habits. I know, back to the whole old habits, yeah. and I resorted back to what I thought this is going to get me the results that I want. Um, and then of course cardio, you know, I thought maybe I'm not pushing myself in it harder on the cardio, so therefore, you know, I started to up the cardio from. Um, like if I was on a treadmill, I'd start to walk on an incline of like 12 degrees or, you know, like bring it up on the 12 yep. step and just pump it out for an hour because, yeah, that's going to that's burn it off. Mm. And so, you know, when I, when I say I introduced more cardio, I intensified my cardio. Yep. And, of course, um, when you're not feeding the body, when you're not getting those carbohydrates in, you know, your body starts to look for other forms of energy. Mm. And so what that turns on is called muscle and even though I was trying to build muscle I was actually eating a lot of it up so to speak because it was a catabolic state Mm. that I was putting myself in not to mention um, uh, just yeah playing around and being more and more restrictive with the food that I was putting in would have been Mm. a hard time mentally because you would have also had then the people coming at you saying you're going to defend your title you're going to defend your title Uh, you're going back you're going back next year to defend your title yeah yeah yeah. and And you feel like shit and so that mentally would also have been I felt really embarrassed. Tough. Yeah. And I, I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm supposed to be Miss Olympia, but look at me. Mm. Now, look, and I suppose taking a step back, when I present myself at that time to anyone else that would look at that photo and go, actually, no, you're probably healthier, you know, having that little bit more weight on you yeah. rather than seeing you in that gaunt state. And it's funny, there was one photo that I still hold Again, apart from that one before, but um, the day I had a photo shoot the next day after when I won the, the title in America, and I remember lying on the ground. You know, it was one of those pose shots, and I was lying on the grass there, and I had the arch up, and I had my, you know, my leg up, sort of, you know, mm. bent, and had my jaw up. And I remember looking at it like ten years later, you know, and it's one I thought, "Holy crap, Sharp, what had you done to yourself?" You know, I just so rigid my jawline, and mm. I thought. But at that time, I remember in my mind, I loved it. And but that was a picture of success, wasn't that it? That was it, yeah. So, look, and I suppose too, you know, uh, it's hard to sort of dis- describe it, but I was like a forced anorexic in reverse. And I think that's something that, you know, I. Uh, it's not that I didn't want to eat. I knew that food still was an important part of a look that I had to achieve. Mm. But I still restricted myself so much and understood that exercise. So I knew that I couldn't completely not eat because I I simply needed something to try and build muscle or to get the look that I was after. But then when I look back at those photos, like what I said, I thought, geez, Shah, you know, you you weren't that far away from really going over to that dark side, if that makes makes Mm. sense. And we're back, so we are hoping that you got a lot out of the first part of our chat with Charlene, a woman whose enthusiasm and passion yes. for helping others really shines through. She has always been a teacher and will always be a teacher and really wants, you can tell that she wants others to learn from her mistakes. Yes. 
So if uh, if you didn't get your if you didn't have your notebook out for that episode, go back and listen again. I think it deserves a second listen. Yes, and prepare yourself for next week because there's more coming. Yes, there you know, is. It only gets better from here. Absolutely. As well. So we do that recommend that you go over to the show notes page over at theweightlosspodcast.com. Yes. We're going to put there, Courtney, some strategic links yes, to follow we Charlene. Are. So we'll put Charlene's Instagram account. Yep. We'll link to that. I highly recommend you f- go and follow her. Also, if you do go and follow her, or what should I say, when you go and follow her, well you should definitely reach out to her and let her know that you listened to part one and what you took from it. Yeah, She'd love her, to hear from give you. Give her feedback. Uh, all the good ones like feedback, and she's no different. There'll also be a link to her website where you can pre-register for her new cookbook. Get on board. Which is going to be coming out within the next month or two, I think. Yeah, Courtney and I are 1,000%, which is a bit more than 100 uh, locked in ourselves because we love the meals that the Charlene creates, as do our clients. So we can't recommend getting your name on the on the pre order list for her book. Like well, get, we already cook meals from from her cookbook number one. We have for so years. We, we have for years now. We're definitely yeah. very much looking forward to cookbook number two. Yeah. The third link that will be on the show notes page will be a link to Charlene's uh, Facebook community group. Yes. So I would highly, again, recommend uh, being added to that group yeah. and giving uh, her a bit of a shout-out on there. She's she's always in that group as well. Yeah, she's one of the admins of the group because it's kind of her group along along with her husband's. Uh, give her a shout-out. Give her some feedback on what you thought of the interview so far. She'd love to hear from you as much as we would. Uh, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you should email us. So with that, Courtney, I reckon we wrap it up and... We'll see you next week, yeah? We look forward to part two coming up next week where you will continue to hear Charlene's story as well as her five top transformation tips. So they are definitely not to be missed. Yeah, they're worth the wait. So have a good one and we'll see you then. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.